the first episode of the Revived Pseudobook Podcast. Check out the show notes at pseudobookpodcast.com slash 001. In this episode, Justin and Mike are joined by the cast of Detective, Detective, Detective. The Huskies won. That's pretty impressive. It's, it's bizarre, yeah. Seventh seed. So. Hey guys, no sports. This isn't Sklarbro. So anyway, sports. Uh, <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Hey, sure, let's get started. Um, is this audio style? Yeah, Mike, do you have any formal uh, pseudobook? This is very formal. I hope you guys are ready for formality. Um, I'm wearing a bow tie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, pseudobook podcast. I'm Mike Edwards. This is Justin Edwards. And it's been a very long time. Yes, we used to uh, run a podcast back in, what, 2005 or six. I don't even remember. Yeah, back before Minecraft and other things. <laughs> yeah, that's how we separate time now. <laughs> yeah, it's a very well-known separation of time. It's like that reference to what I think is... <laughs> uh, we have a, three very special guests on the show with us, so um, let's just take a moment to welcome... We have the three stars of the film we made, Detective, Detective, Detective. Um, Adam McCabe. Mm. Hello. Matthew Clay. How you doing? And Henry Kaiser. Hello. <laughs> Welcome, guys. Oh, thanks. Thank yeah. you. We're glad we could be the reason you revived your podcast from 2005. <laughs> it was a nice excuse. Yeah. Is, that, is the time before Minecraft known as BM? BMC. <laughs> yeah, before Minecraft. That's good. Um, but yeah, I guess, uh, I don't know, I'd I like to get to know you guys a little bit before we get going here, just for our you don't listeners know out there. Uh, I kind of do, but I think, uh, I don't know, who who are you guys, and where are you from, and how are you uh, suddenly on this podcast now? What's, who is what's your deal? daddy? <laughs> yeah. So many questions at once. Eldest first. Oh. Yeah, eldest first. I don't remember who's oldest. Adam. You mean eldest brother in the in the movie or eldest 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 in real life? Eldest in real life, always. Hey, who's been to got... an island most recently? E I R L. That would be Henry. He lives on an island. <laughs> yeah, the island of Naples. He is an island. <laughs> yeah, no man is. Um, I'll start <laughs> because I'm the eldest. Uh, this is Adam, by the way. Um, I play the middle brother in the movie, but. Little Easter egg. I'm the oldest person in the movie. I think I'm the oldest person. In- no, no, Casey. no. I'm older than you. Case oh, okay. is older than all of us. Yeah. And Adrian Belmont is very old. We won't say how. Well, we don't want to talk about the movie too much in case people haven't seen it yet. Yeah, but- not just yet. We'll get there though. Um, but just personally. Yeah, I grew up in Bakersfield, California. Um, I grew up doing theater, and then I did radio and local local access television. <laughs> with a sketch show. I should not have been given the right to do that because they were all terrible. <laughs> all in uh, Bakersfield? In Bakersfield, I wrote, directed, starred in, and edited sketch comedy for a morning zoo crew show. Awesome. I've never heard of this. <laughs> Is there yeah, this stuff it, on YouTube somewhere? Uh, no, thank God, but I have DVDs. <laughs> And I'm willing to show anyone as long as they come here and promise to turn their phone off so no recording. Uh, and you can't tell anyone that I respect about it after you see it. Those are the two rules. Okay. So I'm assuming that means Adam does not respect any of us by allowing us to see no. it. Yeah. Like I said, people I respect. Exactly. Um, yeah. So then I moved to L.A., started doing comedy here, writing and acting, and 
Then I met Justin, who's one of the hosts of this podcast. Yeah, That's what funny, he's well known how that for. works out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, we made a movie in Alaska, and the rest is history. All right. All right. Great start. Um, so who's next? I think Henry. That's me. Yeah. So I, I have a long story, but I'll do well, a short well, one. Tell us two truths and a lie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I'll tell you like a really long truth, <laughs> and then I'll tell you one truth and one lie. Um, so I was born in Montreal, Canada, raised in New York to a insane father and hilarious rest of my family, uh, which okay. made me love comedy like from age four. And my dad actually would like, instead of watching like PBS and stuff as a kid or cartoons, my dad would just make us watch stuff like coming to America at a very young age. Yeah. Uh, so, but I got into comedy back then and have always wanted to do it. And right after college started studying at UCB in New York did a bunch of stuff in New York, a couple off-Broadway shows that were one-time type things, and they flopped. No, they didn't, but they were okay. Uh, and then uh, came out to L.A. It's been an amazing year and a half since I came out here doing the film, doing uh, short film, and now I'm on a musical team with uh, someone who's in this room, but we're not allowed to talk about because they're <laughs> hidden. Shoot. Uh, ah, shoot. Okay. Is, it, is it like Stomp? Yeah, it's like Stomp. It's the same thing. I'm doing Stomp LA. Uh, <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. And, uh, hold, hold on, because that irritates me when podcasts reference stuff that you have no way to know what they're talking about. <laughs> My girlfriend Jackie is on the couch <laughs> being quiet, listening to us do this, and that's who Henry was referencing. Right. Thank you. All right. I thought you were going to talk about what Stomp is. No. Because <laughs> people have Sorry. no way of figuring out what that is. <laughs> Um, and then, okay, so let's see. One truth, one lie. I almost killed a man because of stop. Really? <laughs> Do we have time for that story? <laughs> no, dropping a trash can on someone's head is a great way to kill somebody. No, no. It was, uh, oh my gosh. But I had a lot of cartoons jobs. a lot. Yeah, I had a lot of weird jobs right out of high school, and one of them was putting up posters for productions coming through town. And it was for Stomp. And this 70-year-old theater director had hired us to do it. And he said, well, meet, a, meet me at Chuck E. Cheese after you're done hanging these posters. I don't know why he was there. But he's like, I'll pay you guys in cash for hanging these posters. So we met him there. And my friend and I love scaring people. We think it's funny. We walked up behind this 70-year-old man and grabbed him and screamed. Oh, no. <laughs> this man who was our boss. So no right to do that to him. And we scared him so bad he held his chest and was quiet for a long time. And then <laughs> laughed and was like, that was a good one. But he very clearly was <laughs> having a heart attack. Oh my God. So we froze and just waited for him to, I guess, fix his heart. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, wow. Little known fact that if you hold your chest, you can actually fix, fix a heart attack. Yeah. That's how it works. It's like sneezing. Sorry to interrupt. So that's where Henry's been. No right. problem. <laughs> okay. Um, but long story short, I'll skip the truth and a lie for later. Our, our listeners will have to figure out which one is which. Ladies and gentlemen, very nice. Matthew Clay. Yes. Uh, I am Matthew Clay. I played the little brother. I'm also obviously the youngest one. Hello. Hello. Did we lose him? I think we lost him. That's the only thing I got going is where let me hang on to it, all right? Jeez. Okay. So yeah, I'm I- from Philadelphia. Yep. Uh, uh, went to Irish Catholic schools my entire life. 
until I got wise and moved west and then met up with these fools and made a movie, and I couldn't be happier about my trip to uh, to Alaska. Very nice. Very nice. Well, we're, we're very happy to have gotten all you guys as well. Um, I, I know we've all these people, you know, different people in our lives have whole, heard different stories over how this came together, but just, I guess, for archival sake, I would love to hear your version of how you became involved with Detective, Detective, Detective. Um, Adam, I knew you from work, but then from there, how did I approach you with this project? Um, well, I, Justin and I had terrible day jobs, and we worked at a, wait, I don't know who's going to listen to this, so I don't want them to feel bad about their lives. <laughs> uh, I do. Okay, so then we worked at this garbage play. Oh, no. Oh, you're cutting out, guys. All I heard was garbage place. Yeah, there you go. Garbage place. That's all you need to hear. <laughs> okay. And uh, Justin said, hey, man, let's have lunch. I want to talk to you about a project. And all I heard was lunch and said yes before he finished his sentence. And uh, I love food. And we had lunch, and he told me about it. And I was on board. Right on. Was, yeah. It was that easy. Uh, and again... It's because of how passionate Justin was about the idea. Uh, you could tell, like, yeah, it's so much better to invest your, your time and yourself into projects if people legitimately care about it, as opposed to it just being done for a job or just to do it. You really cared about it, which is what sold me on it. Great. Yeah, I don't even think we had a script then. All I knew was, like, ah, it's going to be Three Brothers in Alaska. Yeah, you, you had like one of those flip books on a post-it note or the guy <laughs> kicking a football, and I was like, yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> awesome. I guess we'll do it in age order again. Yeah, that's fine. Henry, I, uh, I auditioned you guys, right? Yeah, Matthew and I both auditioned. Um, I originally came and read for um, Bonsai. You did, I remember I think because you guys, I don't even know if you guys were auditioning for Soren or you figured you'd just get both through the same casting notice. But exactly, yeah, we yeah. just didn't want to bother with making second copies of sides. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were on a very tight paper budget at the time. Um, so he had. So so I went in and I read for it. Uh, but let's here. Let's go back a little. Um, we did it has. Yeah. What is it like from your side? I know what the producing side is like, but... Well, CAST is interesting because when you... First of all, it was like one of the first websites I found when moving to L.A. Because um, for some reason, maybe something from Actors Access overlapped with CAST and I ended up at that studio. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think a lot of people are hesitant to spend like 15 bucks a month to like be involved with something like that, like Kaz or Actors Access. But, you know, after getting this film and a couple other jobs through those type of websites, I'm, I'm a big fan of them. Uh, and also the cool thing was you get to review your audition after, which is cool. But uh, back to this particular audition. Um, Wait a minute. What? Do you work for those guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of more blatant commercials. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I just really, it's one of those things where, like, people, when they move here, they ask me, they're like, what do I do now? I'm like, right, right, right. join this website, and I get 12% cut. You get, a, you get you a credit towards Uber. Right. He knows Tom Kaz. Yeah, Tom Kaz. Yeah, Tom But, Kaz. um, <laughs> but anyway, so it, 
it went really well, uh, but it was so such a fast audition, and I often get scared when uh, when I only get to read something once. Um, but anything, uh, not even not even just auditions. Yeah, like I love to read books twice, just just in case. <laughs> but you get uh, terrified if you can't. Right, because I'm like, well, what's what happened? Am I sure I caught all the good sentences? But um, long story short. I auditioned for you guys, I read once, and you were like, okay, cool. And I'm like, all right, well, that's, that's that. But then I, I said this at our, at our little um, screening for friends and family. Yeah. Uh, you guys actually talked to me for a few minutes, which is rare for a casting director. Mm. And it was a breath of fresh air, and you guys said, like, it was Justin and his lovely wife, Juliet, who happened to also edit the film. So we had, like, a real good family affair going on. Uh, and you guys talked to me about, you know, I was born in Montreal, so I spoke the little broken French that I knew. Uh, and uh, it was just nice that people were like wanting to know who I was as a human being as well. Uh, and then a few days later, it was actually the, I think it was the 4th of July uh, evening. I was going home for my husband, my husband's birthday party. <laughs> my husband's cousin. <laughs> Have you ever met my husband's cousin? Uh, husband. Uh, but anyway, I was on my way home, and I'm like, holy crap, they, they emailed me, and they offered me, I told my wife, Mandy, I'm like, so my husband's in the car, and my wife's in the car, and I just, I turned to my <laughs> wife, I said, holy shit, they offered me the role, they, and, and by that I mean a different role, but one of the three brothers, and I was like, that's got to be at least a good third of the movie, <laughs> uh, unless the third brother was insignificant, I think that I might have a decent <laughs> well, role here. You get shot and die in the first 15 <laughs> seconds. I know. <laughs> incident. You're Steven Seagal in uh, Con Air, or whatever that movie was. <laughs> oh, no, no, Executive Decision. Oh, yeah, Kurt Russell. There it is. Fantastic <laughs> film, though. With Kurt Russell, uh, yeah. Dending corrected. Um, but long story short, very long story short, it was awesome. I'm so happy it happened. And I think in the casting room, I said, I would do this just to go to Alaska. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's because I've been twice and I just love the place. Uh, so it was just nice to go back. Bragger. Yeah. I'm bragging about the fact that I have used transportation before. Uh, so let me move on to Matthew Claw. Uh, do you, real quick, Henry, do you remember what I wrote in your review of your audition? Um, I remember, like, I can paraphrase it. Okay. I don't remember what I wrote. Something along the lines of, like, you know, a nice gentleman. Uh, you know, I don't know, just very, yeah, the thing is that CASD makes the directors write reviews of the the auditioners, just, I guess, as oh, like sort of a feedback. commercial again. <laughs> the great thing is, is that every time you go to CASD, you get a 5% coupon for Quiznos. <laughs> All right, we gotta uh, move on. And yeah, a Blockbuster but, account. Yeah, and Blockbuster, <laughs> which died. You get a free rain check for the movie if it's not in stock. <laughs> But, but only, uh, only that one location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, actually, it was cool, though, because even that, even that was nice, because I got home and I was like, oh, well, they, they liked me in the audition. So even before I got the part, I was like, at least, this, at least, at least it went okay. Anyway, I'll pass you on to Matthew, because he's, he's, like, itching. He's ready. Come, I can tell. Yeah, he's pacing around like a madman. No, I'm, I'm only itching because uh, Adam has a dog, and I'm allergic, but... Uh, oh, no. Okay. Oh, gosh, I was kidding, guys. <laughs> so uh, I also auditioned through Kaz, and the funny thing about that is you go to audition after audition after audition, and you try not to get too invested in any one because otherwise you're just going to get uh, burned out. And so in this case, it was I was, went in to do my best, but it's just another audition in my mind. 
until I read it, on, you know, I'm in there three minutes, and Justin starts talking to me and says, uh, oh, by the way, we're shooting next month for three weeks in Alaska. Are you free? <laughs> and it just, uh, it just so happened that I was uh, woefully unemployed. So, yeah, I was totally game. Yeah. Uh, but it was, very, it was very strange for me because I, I didn't want to get my hopes up, and I walked out of there actually having my hopes really high and trying to do something to to chill out about all that. Yeah, and plus you're up against yeah. Huey Lewis for the role. I know, I know, <laughs> I've heard. His, oh, don't remind me. He's got pipes that I cannot compete with. Yeah. Uh, but the fact is that he, uh, Justin called me back up, and I was amazed that there was no chemistry read or anything. I said, how could you possibly know that you want to offer me this part? He said, well, here's my script, and, and I trust you. And it kind of started off a vibe for me for the rest of the project, is that I could talk to him, and he wanted me to really be a part of it. He wasn't just sort of using me as like, oh, you're an actor, you fit. It was, hey, come on board and be a part of this. And it was pretty wonderful. Yeah, and then we, we did do a mini chemistry read. Was, I mean, we'd already gotten the parts. I guess Justin could have taken them away if he, if he were horrible. <laughs> but we did do a little reading in, uh, what was it, Barnsdale Park? That's right. We went and had like a pizza lunch and read the yeah. script. I think I've seen yeah. the pictures. Yeah, it was very fun. Uh, but it was sort of... Yeah, I, I didn't I like them immediately. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I just want to put that out there from the get go. I thought everyone was awkward. No one would make eye contact. They were all cowards. Yeah, <laughs> it was really hard to gel. Plus, Henry could barely read. I yeah, still can. <laughs> and Matthew, I've never heard so many racist words come out in thirty seconds. It was like the Micro Machines guy, but with race. It was a new record for me. Thirty-seven. <laughs> But anyway, we hit it off. But and also, Adam was a ghost at the time. I was so. a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> so um, wonderful. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and we kind of we had this reading together. That's actually we did some uh, photos there too for our. What what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of like a plot device. Uh, McGuffin. Th- yeah. Well, there's this photo we used in the movie. We had to take care of it then, so that we had it in Alaska. Um. But it was kind of fun to see them get into character already. Like, hey, dress up as your character, and we're going to take some photos and start that interaction for the first time ever. Um, and it was just really cool for me to see like these characters come to life. I mean, Mike and I wrote the script very, very fast, and you know, kind of you know by the seat of our pants, looking back on it now, and just like it's so crazy how fast it was, you know, and like well, we could really tell because a lot of stage are description said like he goes in a room and uh and you guys like type uh <laughs> it was like i guess picks up a rake question mark phil <laughs> yeah. it was like a mad lib script you guys fill in the blanks uh, one of my favorite scenes was uh soren enters to discover another character <laughs> and then and then in in parentheses it said to be determined <laughs> yeah. and then about page 60 it just says the rest of the movie right yeah <laughs> Actors do something brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I've had that note before, by the way. Uh, not not in this and not in this project, but in other projects, I've been asked to be uh, actually in improvised parts from directors to be funnier. Uh, <laughs> Great it, note. There was no other direction, but hey, that whole thing that you just improvised really well five takes ago, be funnier, but do that same exact thing. And I appreciated that that none of the direction in this. Uh, in this project was like, hey, do that better. No, no nothing in this movie is funny. Be not good. even a little. It's a drama. You'll all find out. <laughs> right. Uh, 
And I guess on the on the level of uh, looking at it from your acting side of view, did you guys do anything to prepare for this? Or um, for our listeners out there, it's it's a movie about detectives and brotherhood, and they play this game together where they're pretending to be detectives. Um, what kind of stuff did you guys do to prepare, if anything at all? I mean, I know you have your own styles. Let's start with Matthew on this one. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I can speak to that. First of all, I'm, I have two real-life brothers. I'm not the youngest, but I do have real-life brothers. So I did just go to them, and it was an opportunity for me to talk to them a little bit about uh, just, you know, the kind of thing that you normally don't want to bring up in real life, but just what it means specifically to be that kind of sibling. I, I just, look, I used it as a jumping-off point because that's the kind of guy I am. But when we got up there, it was really nice because I got a chance for the first day or so to just sit down and just go over that script, you know, character by character. There's not a thousand things to do in Alaska. There's not distractions before. <laughs> yeah. You just so it was a great opportunity for me for me to sit down because I come from a theater background where you want to just pick apart the script. And luckily, uh, I had an opportunity to do it, and it wasn't awkward. Nobody. Nobody tried to tell me, hey, that's not how we do it. That's not the right way. In fact, uh, everyone was really receptive. Justin himself was really receptive. I, I would ask him about specific passages, and I would say, how can I make this work? Where did this come from? Is there another way to say it? And all he wanted to do was hear about it and talk about it. So I got, I didn't, even though it was my first opportunity to tackle apart this big for a screen uh, uh, presentation instead of just on the stage, it was not hard for me at all because I had these people who were willing to let me kind of make that weird transition from being really script conscious to kind of making a movie, which is not the same thing. Good. Yeah. I, I know that you especially had a lot of great brother experience. Um, Henry, you also have a brother too, right? Yeah. I have an older brother. So I guess I got to sort of flip it up there, uh, you know, to play the oldest, but, uh, or the eldest, depending on what region of the country you're from. <laughs> or actually just the eldest, if you know what grammar is. But uh, if you're an elder scroll. Yeah, if you're a scroll. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, brotherhood and all that, uh, that, was, that was part of it. Let's see. Um, I definitely used a little bit of my, you know, my life with my brother for it. But more importantly, like, uh, preparation-wise, I, I just, I got together with... Uh, with my friend Catherine, who, who helped me run lines, which uh, which was awesome because I'm I'm one that just loves to run stuff a thousand times. That's the best way for me to get into it. Mm -hmm. uh, but but there was sort of a catch point too because Justin also wanted it to be fresh and a semi improv, not heavy, but he wanted improv to be a factor, or at least I I assume that because Adam and I were both came from that background, and so. Well, Matthew, yeah, Matthew came from more of like a theater, uh, you know, a theater background. So I, I wanted to come into it with sort of that mid-range of like I don't want to know everything so well that I can't mix it up. Yeah, um, and so it was it was actually really interesting the first few days being up in Alaska because I had prepped for let's say sixty sixty percent script, forty percent improv, or, or maybe like seventy thirty, and like Matthew had sort of. I feel like been like more hardcore, like I got this all down. Uh, but the coolest thing I thought was that as the days went on, you know, and let's say day one of shooting to day, even to day five or four of shooting, we started to sort of, I think, figure out a shorthand with each other 
and a way of like being like, oh, okay, so, you know, chances are we, you know, Adam and I may mix things up a little bit and Matthew started to mix things up a bit. And like, I think we found that sort of happy balance. Do you agree yeah, with that? I, I would agree. It's kind of wonderful when you get a chance to just concentrate on working with one or two other actors in particular, because for example, I realized that these two were probably ahead of me when it came to skill with improvising and things like that, or at least they were just felt more natural in that situation. So I kind of tried to become the set setup guy. Like if you're playing volleyball, I'm setting while you guys, you know, right. have the opportunity to kind of hit it home. And, and those kind of dynamics, they clicked in so quickly that there w- it wasn't one of those horrible uh, nightmares where after a week of shooting, then you finally figure out how we're supposed to do right. it. It seemed to work pretty well right away with minimal rehearsal. And, and also, I got to give yeah. credit to Justin for putting us together, you know? Yeah, and also we shot, we didn't shoot everything in perfect order, but we did in some ways, you know, we shot somewhat chronologically. So that sort of made it more, makes some more sense for like when we're, I'm not going to ruin anything about the film, but when, when we're at the end of the film. <laughs> Uh, we 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 tend to know each other a little better. Definitely, I think that was uh, something in mind. Scheduling it was knowing like, let's schedule the heavier, more acty acting required scenes. I mean, that's in quotes uh, later, where we're like we've got to know each other a little more, and then we can start playing off of that. You know, right? And the, the sex scene you guys shot at the very end, right? All right, we said no spoilers. So hot, though. <laughs> so weirdly, like, graphic and aggressive. It, it doesn't, if I can critique a second, it doesn't fit in the movie at all. I wish you would cut it. I didn't know you were That's our ticket to Sundance, though. That was, like, every every shot was about four or five takes, but this, yeah. it's this like was at least mama, seven. But just guys. I kept what. I kept wondering why you kept making me say the line, I'm mentally retarded. <laughs> I guess during was, the sex scene. Yeah, now I know it's to get into a festival. Good job. <laughs> Though in the cookout scene, it is just a bunch of sausages and there's literally nothing else on the table. Yeah, so, yeah. Something wrong with that? <laughs> no, nothing wrong with that. We were Atkinsing it up. That's right? why, I mean, we wrote in the script only sausages, nothing else. <laughs> hey, I've had dinners like that. Um, how how about you adam um anything you did special thinking about becoming a detective or your brother because you don't have any brothers yourself i don't all mine died in a train accident um all 17 of my brothers were on a train and it fell off a bridge so i just have an older sister now sorry um it's all right i've gotten over it it happened two months ago um for me getting ready uh i i do come from a very strong like improv background. I don't have all the theater training these guys have, but I, I mean, obviously took it, you know, take it very seriously. So mm-hmm. very seriously, very serious. Both. What is it? Writers? Seriously. Yeah. You, seriously. Want, you want the adverb. It's defining. Yeah. A verb. Now it's that scene from kiss, kiss, bang, bang again. It makes me paranoid about if I'm using it right. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, you can always shoot us. Look that up listeners. Uh, so that's kind of how I approach characters. But at the same time, it's like, obviously I do want to read through it. I read through it twice. And then I, I don't ever want to run lines because I don't want to hear, rehearse it with how I think they would sound in my head. I want to run it with them. So I hear how they say it. Yeah. So I know how I'd react based on their, their tone, their inflection, their character choices. I want my reactions to be based off that, not so much what I already pre envision. Because when you do read a script, to me, it's like a book where you fill in those blanks in your head. 
like, well, here's how I think they would do it. So here's how I'd react based on like that, that read. Um, and I didn't want to do that. So I was pretty much not familiar with the script at all. when we started shooting <laughs> and would just take it one scene at a time. And we read through it a couple of times, but Justin gave me a lot of leeway with like, okay, well, how do you honestly feel you would react with that in mind? And I think it helped with the characters because without revealing too much about the film, uh, by the way, stop this and can they watch it at this point when you're releasing it or it's still not out yet? Uh, it's not quite out yet. No. All right. Well, when you watch it, um, my brother is the least invested out of all the brothers. So it kind of made sense to me that I wasn't as perfect with like in game dialogue. Cause it's about LARPing. And so we have characters, and our, our lines revolve around characters and things that are happening in the game. For me to be, like, less rehearsed worked for the character. So there are, like, several reasons why I did it. Those are the two biggest. Uh, but, again, like Matthew said about him being so on book, so well rehearsed and from a theater background, really did make it easy to play off of that because he was the anchor in scenes. So no matter where we would go with it, he would always have it tied down to what we needed to do, which makes sense when you see the movie. Right. It fits for his character. It really does, yeah. And not only that, like, yeah, the scale would be Matthew, most intense LARPer, Henry, medium LARPer, and Adam, I don't want to be here LARPer. <laughs> and so, yeah, and I think our, in a weird way, our preparation came together that way. And beyond that, just to piggyback on what Adam was saying about running lines, it's not very often that you, be, that you go on a film or TV set or any set, well, besides theater, that you can run lines with your co-actors uh, so easily. And we would just literally, you know, during lunch, be like, hey, that's going to be a heavy scene. Let's run it five times. And it was pretty cool, especially on a film with such a tight schedule um, due to the amount of days that we had to shoot 90 minutes worth of, <laughs> worth of stuff. Um, pretty rare that we were able to get, like, you know, run those scenes five or six times before we went up. So that, I thought that was greatly helpful to be able to read it with our actual co-stars. Yeah, yeah, I, think, yeah I, think I think that's one that's of the benefits, benefits of, you know, living together while you're shooting as, you know, I don't want to do that again, ever, but <laughs> at the same time, we took advantage of it. Love you too, man. Jeez. <laughs> I, could, I could tell this story really quick, and now that it's all said and done and we all love each other that strong camaraderie i can honestly tell you guys that when when we got there and i saw that we all three of us would be sharing a room briefly considered getting a hotel room for three weeks <laughs> <laughs> and driving back and forth from set every day that would have been the longest drive yeah too, well was, one there was no hotel close that's the problem <laughs> i didn't do it justin did that on purpose <laughs> uh, but in hindsight so so glad we that was the other thing. I was like, no, I want the life experience of living in the same bedroom as my fake two brothers for right. three weeks. Henry and I literally slept next to each other in a, in one bed yeah. for three weeks. Even but, though there were four beds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Choice. Yeah, um, we had options, obviously. But um, also, as I say to various people, and Matthew pointed out the other day, I... I actually have more room. I had more room in a bed with Matthew than I do with my wife because my <laughs> wife is taller than Matthew. <laughs> and also, I we had a king bed in Alaska, and my wife and I have a queen and a, and a couple cats. So that's our that's the long story short. And Matthew also has the ability to fit in this pillowcase, so he was just sleeping in a pillowcase. <laughs> He slept in a gentleman's pocket for most of the... <laughs> yeah, it's true. You can't. You don't know where I am, but you can hear me, because I snore like the dickens. 
Uh, one aspect of this film is each of you lose uh, one of your senses within the game. Um, I think this mostly affects Henry the most. You were blind for most of the movie. Can you talk about that some? Well, it's. I think one of the you know people are like, ah, so you did your first feature. What was that like? Uh, oh, well, I was blind for 65% of it. So, um, But it, it was pretty awesome. I mean, first of all, I feel like I, I literally sound like one of the parts of the movie now. It, it was awesome. Uh, but I thought... It was cool to be able, because, you know, they say acting is much more than just one sense or two cents. Um, they say it's five. Five senses. <laughs> it should be. It's even taste. Acting is a lot about taste. And sometimes the sixth. Right. <laughs> um, but I thought that, yeah, like I was able to hear so many great things that, you know, just like subtle things that I wouldn't have caught had I, you know, had my vision and been able to see like um, You're basically Kyle. Daredevil. Right, it was Daredevil, basically, yeah. But I feel like I identify more with the Jennifer Garner character in that movie. Why did um, you just randomly reference our AD Kyle? No, because like if I had, <laughs> if I didn't have my blind my blinders on, so to speak, I would I would be able to be like, oh look, that shiny thing in the corner. Uh, I also have the ability to be distracted quite easily, so it was nice to. <laughs> Focused you. Focus. Yeah. Besides, your uh, blindfold looked like a bra, which automatically made anything you said funny. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we had a blindfold, though, and yet you didn't just have, like, fake blindness, like right. m- movie people do. Like, oh, I'm blind, though, even though I'm just walking around like I'm blind. Right. Like movie people. Do. <laughs> Way to take down those villains, Robin Hood. <laughs> you know those movie people. <laughs> um... And then, uh, Adam, you wore these uh, headphone things that didn't quite make you deaf in real life, but you're supposed to represent it. Um. Um, Here's the thing, and you can tell because you're listening to this podcast right now, but I might have the worst voice of any human of all time. (laughs) And it's exaggerated on film and on recording, so you can like definitely hear the lisp come out. It's, It's grating. So when you're wearing these, what? When, what? You're, when you're wearing beautiful these, beautiful voice. He's when you, I sound like a, <laughs> uh, I sound like I imagine Medusa would feel. <laughs> anyway, when you're wearing these headphones, all you can hear is your voice amplified in your head. So it was my nightmare for almost two weeks was hearing myself amplified, um, and I just scream all my dialogue. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so loud. Uh, yeah. The wear on my vocal cords, thank God I got SAG hazard pay for it. <laughs> You're welcome, yeah. Uh, I, so me, Matthew, I got a chance not to talk, which was wonderful. Was that, <laughs> was that yours? I thought you had to walk backwards the whole film. <laughs> no, I kept with the character choice. Oh, okay. Uh, I just, you didn't understand what was going on in my soul. Well, I thought he was uh, walking backwards and we just reversed the footage. It was like... <laughs> no, just none of you looked in, me in the eye because I'm three foot two. True. I'd love if an editor on Twin Peaks got fired because he reversed all the backwards footage. <laughs> I thought it was insane. By the way, uh, Matthew's line at his height, he's three foot, he just adds the two inches. <laughs> but but it, uh, it was wonderful for me because I had less dialogue to remember. I just, uh, so for, I, I had about a week or so where I was virtually mute. Yeah. yeah. It, was, uh, it was like being a silent film actor. It was like, I, you know, I just whipped out Buster Keaton and was looking at them while they made fun of me and just got to roll my eyes a lot. It was super easy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's the one thing I enjoyed about your performance. Um, yeah. 
not one of them. Um, but no, you really took advantage knowing that like that's what was required of you at that point within the game is I'm a mute character now. I need to play it as, you know, I love the silent film reference because that's what it ended up becoming. And that was kind of what we were hoping for. Yeah, yeah. You, you kept you kept citing uh, Birth of a Nation as an inspiration. <laughs> it's true. I was on a horse. I had a white pointy hat. It was wonderful. Also, I I got to you know, I got to sort of recall the blind actors of our and the blind films of our time. Which, so I got to do a, got to do a lot of radio work while we were there. It's pretty fun. <laughs> By the way, sorry for all the planes you keep hearing in the background. I live on the Burbank Airport. <laughs> That's fine. Um, That's Tom Hanks. So, a couple. Uh, yes, uh, I'm a Tom Hanks in the <laughs> terminal. Matthew's currently dying. I'm back. Okay, I'm back. Do you have to like go to your bucket like Odo in Star Trek? <laughs> oh, I don't Odo know what that reference. <laughs> hey, has this podcast ever dealt with? Watto being racist and Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it does yeah, now. It can. You're great. It could no, never no. deal with it. <laughs> hey, did you ever tell your parents that we, um, that we, I think, whose CRV was it? It was your parents' CRV. Yeah. Right? Uh, hold on, listeners. Just so you know, we shot the film in Justin's parents' house in Alaska, and they're nice enough to let us use their vehicles. Right. So everyone's on the same page. And, and, Thank and, you. And so we took the CRV, we Very totally nice. wrecked it, and we replaced it with a similar CRV. Did they ever notice that? <laughs> <laughs> Did they notice that we gave them a 98 CRV? <laughs> no, they, they appreciated it. The, it was a different shade of blue, though. That's the problem. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they didn't notice anything else different, just the shade of blue. Good, good. They were wondering who did such a terrible job cutting all those logs in this <laughs> yard. It turns out it was Henry trying to exercise. Oh, and I did exercise. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, Yay. So, yeah, tell us more things. Yeah, no, uh, you, you guys, uh, a couple weekends ago, you guys finally managed to see the finished film. Uh, it, yeah. was, it was a six-month post-production process for us. Um, I just want to ask you guys what you thought. And this isn't loaded at all based on who you're, no. you're telling. Uh-huh. Well, we know our audience. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Henry. <laughs> we don't. Um, well, <laughs> well, actually, I think Adam's making me go first, but I think something that... Like, uh, let me just explain. Uh, I think I'm going to tell you based on friends' reactions, and then I'll get to mine. But like, one of my friends had to leave in the middle... And he came back, he's like, that was awesome, but I didn't even know you shot a feature in Alaska. He didn't know what to expect. And, um, you know, like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to be, I think you guys all went away. Oh, there you are. The screen went blank. Um, I'm not saying that to be, like, weird about it. I'm saying that no one thought that we were going up to Alaska to shoot a full-length feature film. They thought maybe, you know, maybe it was a short, my butt, one buddy thought. And then, uh, Adam, can I share what your dad thought? Sure. Yeah, Adam's dad thought, like, he didn't know we were shooting on, like, digital. He thought maybe we were shooting it on camcorders, you know. Like, they didn't, no one knew what we were doing up there. They, they Which, by the way, made me think of a great idea for us all having camcorders shooting. Um, like, yeah, so, so the expectations from the crowd were so interesting. And then even my expectations were way exceeded, um, both in 
because we got to see uh, you know a pre version of it in November. Yeah, um, yeah, which was I'd say very good or or you know or good, but then with the new soundtrack provided by Michael and like uh, you know some of the some of the post production stuff that was added in, I it turned it from like you know a good I, I've been calling it a micro budget film. I hope that's not offensive. <laughs> no, that's appropriate. It really is right, like a good micro budget. It's only film four million, like, right? Yeah, four. You know, once you're under four, you. <laughs> You're with the rest of them. Uh, but um, uh, let me I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll just interrupt this, Matthew, again. I'll say that uh, I felt that what we did was really something that I'll remember forever, and I'm not uh, exaggerating there. And not because what we did was something with a gigantic budget or anything like that. It's only because everybody who was working on it didn't want to approach this project as something... That was uh, that had a weird tag on it, like a low budget or an independent or anything that might feel like it was going to let us off easy artistically. We all wanted to make just a really good movie. Right. We didn't want any of those caveats or tags. We all were just approaching this as to make the best movie we could. And so if there were strange expectations, it's only because that's what other people's expectations were. It's not, but, but it doesn't seem to me that that's but we all had right. as the people who were making it we all expected that no we were making a real movie and a right. great movie and the kind of thing that is supposed to last and then when it ultimately happened on the screen maybe other people were surprised but i wasn't i felt yes that's the movie i was trying to make all along that's the movie justin and everybody else that i was working with was trying to make all along it just seemed that uh, i was just happy that we succeeded Right. But I wasn't shocked that that's what it was because that's what we were always trying to do. And I think Justin, you can attest to this that we did we cared we cared full budget film about it. We didn't care like micro budget. You remember we I'd finish a take and I'd be like, "Listen, uh that was that was fun, that was good, but I'd really like to try just one more where I do X, Y, or Z." And and that was only because I cared so much about bringing my best game my a game and also like about all of us just sort of having a a great time on set and having great takes you're a hero absolutely (laughs) i'm the hero of the film no i mean i was continually you know and just to know that in our brief encounter before we all ended up in alaska together knowing what a group of professionals i had managed to gather together i just felt very very lucky from the get-go and to know that it was paid off during production i knew i'm like thank you that everybody cares about this movie um because i cared a lot and no leslie cared a lot you know he helped me get it together all summer um and it was so great that we had everybody else did too and it was just kind of a real wonderful team experience and like like you say you, know, you book every film you become a family together and i think that it truly happened with us too even if it's a cliche um but thank yeah. you very much. Um, thank you. How about any other guys' general reactions to the film? Or uh, yeah, I was. Uh, this is Adam. I <laughs> I was very happy with how willing the audience was to laugh and have a good time with it. Uh, normally, like I've noticed, a lot of audiences are very cynical. They're like, hey, make me laugh! I dare you. Kind of approach to things they watch. And I feel like this the film came off as very like disarming in that way. It was like, hey, we are silly and we're willing to have fun. Very like silly fun. So like drop your guard and just have fun with it. And I think that over the course of the movie, 
it does that so well that by the end, you're just like on board with not only the brothers, but with what they're doing and what they're there to do. So you have fun with them. And I think it's uh, being a character, my character is very cynical and doesn't want to get on board with it. I feel like the movie does a good job of, I'm like the audience point of view almost. Oh, yeah. It's like, I'm kind of against this because I don't know exactly what's happening or what this is. And I don't want to look like a nerd, but I lose myself in the fun of it. So essentially I'm like the Winston of the, of the movie. <laughs> exactly. And I help the audience come in with me and like, Oh, okay. No, it's okay to be on board with this and be part of it. Look, I am the most cynical of all of us is on board. Then you can too. I totally agree. That's what I liked. Yeah. And that was my experience too. Um, and Mike, you can chat in too, as you want. Um, for me, it was like a great experience experience to have like a screen test of the movie like it was the first time showing it to a bunch of people there was maybe at least 100 people there um you know where are they laughing are they Justin, laughing are you, are you mailing in your your speech excuse me that was the weirdest thing it's his uh beverly hills uh internet's really slow for justin are you hearing me though oh there you go now we're okay. so go ahead and you can edit that part out and start when you said the best part in the screening was. Um, the best part for me of the screening was that it was like a screen test to see where people were getting it. You can kind of get that feel. Are they laughing? Are they not laughing? Um, and to kind of just see are they coming along with it or is there dreadful silence where you know that it's not working? Um, and for me, the greatest joy was seeing that, at least for that audience that night, it worked. I think that people got onto it. They were laughing along with it and gave into, I think one of the big reactions we had was it was very like, it's sweet. It has this like heart to it where like you care about the brothers in the end. Um, and that it, some people were touched by that. And that to me was like, I made a film that had people get, you know, they were emotionally moved by it. And that was like full success for me. Was there anything? Could I ask you guys a question? Yeah. This is Matthew. I, I'm interested to know what happened uh, between last summer and right now. Uh, we Here we are in the spring of 2014, because last summer you had a concept for a film, and then you had to cast it, and you had to go up and shoot it, and you had to go through all of the laborious post-production, and now you have a movie. How does it feel comparing the two between last summer, before you met any of us, and then now where you have your finished product? Is, uh, is it... Is it exactly what you expected? What's different if not? This is Henry's same question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll let Mike answer first just with his kind of experience as one of the writers. Well, I, yeah, really, really quick before Mike answers, just for the listeners. Sorry. Um, Mike, you co-wrote it, but you weren't able to be with us on the filming. So you didn't really get to like see how we adapted it or how we were uh, – you know, portraying yeah. your character. Yeah, you guys really. So before it, you but... answer, I think that's important to remember. <laughs> yeah, and I, I will be eternally jealous because I, I really wish I could have been there um, just to be on set and, and hang out and be part of all the shenanigans. Though I'm sure you guys would have loved having yet another human in that cabin. Most of them. Yeah. You would have liked most of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's it's thrilling to to have something you you threw together and to see it come come to life to be put in the flesh and uh um i I'm thrilled with the result and uh 
you know, it's it's a nice model that we have such easy ways to collaborate across distance now. Um, not just with me and Justin writing and sending files back and forth, but the whole soundtrack I did with a guy in Ohio. So we just had like gigabytes in Dropbox that were just moving back and forth of different tunes. And it was a nice proof of concept because, well, that's sort of what the Postal Service did or plenty of musicians yeah. do now. But it's it was the first time I had done a distance collaboration on music. It's a fantastic soundtrack. Now available on Bandcamp. Yeah, plug yeah. it, man. Brought to you by Kaz. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that speaks to, just to piggyback on what you said about, but, uh, like, you know, shooting stuff um, and doing stuff in sort of the modern way that we do it. Uh, I have friends who went to film school in the early 90s who came and saw the film. And they're like, how did you make this film? In the... In, back in the day, on real, on you know, hard film or whatever they call it, hard film, film. they call it hard film. Uh, Starring Christian Slater and <laughs> his uh, sequel to Cuffs. Yeah, <laughs> back in the day, that you know, any film would be like you know, eighty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars without, like, without batting an eye. And like the fact that we can do a lot of things digitally now is pretty amazing. And I think it, it's why it's it's part of the reason our film was able to be made. So, uh, same question to Justin, though. I think I think that's a great question, Matthew. Asked. I'd love to hear your answer. Um, gosh, I to come to it now and living with it day in and day out. You know, it's been my life. I haven't worked on anything else in the last nine months besides this movie. Um, I think in the end, I, I'm so completely thrilled with the result. I'm so proud of it. I'm completely happy with it. I think we did as well of a job as was possible with our limitations um, and our budget and our time. Um, I just, I couldn't have asked for a better experience and a better product in the end. And that's, you know, the shameless plug from, you know, the director of it. But at the same time, um, it's, it's the truth. Like, I really, I take a step back and I look at a year ago at this time, I didn't make a movie in my life and I didn't have something that I get to share that I'm proud of. And now I do. And it's just, it's a really amazing feeling and I can't wait to keep sharing it with everybody I find. Cause it's, I think it's good. And I, I want other people to, mm-hmm. to think it's good as well. You mentioned limitations. I actually think that's one of the things that helped. I mean, it would be nice to have more money, not just compensation or something, but like, um, just full on budget props, all that stuff would be awesome. But in terms of the writing, both the, the script and the, the music, um, having constraints made it easier for me. Um, okay. Three main actors, that's all we can muster. So you get to focus on those characters um, in, in the, the pill of the cabin and just sort of chew on that. And with the music, just like, yeah, it's a ridiculous game. It's noir, it's mystery. Like Having that aesthetic decision already sort of set, that course already set, just made it a lot less stressful for me. Yeah, yeah. you guys did a fantastic job. Thanks. Uh, one of my favorite kind of metaphors for going into this was you can still write a hit song with like a three string guitar and a snare drum. 
Like, yeah, man, president's president's uh, United States of America. <laughs> exactly. Like it's you could still work at a hundred percent creativity and goodness within the limit of what you're given. And I think that's what we did in Alaska. Was we wrote a really great rock song, and we're, we're going to bring it back now and start showing everybody. And I can't wait. I, I think that is man. This this felt like some kind of weird like one of Lars von Trier's uh, like rules. What was those those rules he made? Yeah, for the ninety five. Uh, yeah, dogma yeah, ninety five. It felt yeah. like we had those rules on it <laughs> yeah, a little bit. No uh, fake lighting. The- all the sex is real, etc. <laughs> exactly. That sex was very real. This film is essentially *Nymphomaniac* Part One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait um, for Part Two. Yeah, I think I think it's that, but it's also it's almost a way of like. Nymphomaniac meets Tin Cup because of that one <laughs> golf that one golf scene that I did. But we, right. I think we, did we cut that? Now we're on right. Shooter McGavin. Here we go. Finally. <laughs> well, uh, I want to give you guys a chance to tell us what you're up to today. You know, what's next for you guys? What What are you keeping busy with now? Matthew. Well, uh, I am continuing my my quest to turn LA into a viable uh, town for myself. Uh, having been here less than two years. Yes, yeah, so I perform regularly with an improv group. I'm I'm on a... Lots of Minecrafting. Oh, lots of Minecraft. Uh, Lots of uh, getting other people to give me stuff and buy me meals. Uh, But no, I'm doing a web series and I'm uh, writing something myself that's getting shot and you're in auditioning. And in the end, you just... It's one of those things that there's no such thing as a big break... uh, Anyone who actually tries it knows that there's not. You just keep going. And so uh, I am just enjoying myself day after day, and I will continue to be uh, pursuing the better uh, gigs as they come. That's all I'm doing. Working right. hard. Adam or... or so I, okay, so... Uh, well, first of all, like... Um, sort of similar, Matthew was saying something about just being in L.A. and, you know, figuring stuff out. I... I moved to LA in, like, I guess it would have been te- like November of 2012, and by by the by, you know, eight months into 2013, I had shot a movie, and I was like, "Wow, that's pretty cool." And it wasn't, you know, it's it wasn't the world's largest movie, but it was the I think it was the best first movie I could have ever done because we all got to be do so much, you know, we all got to learn so much from it. And even like being on set with Adam, there were times when he's like, Hey, by the way, cause he's been on, I think more sets than I have in general. He's like, by the way, you don't have to lift that thing. You don't have to worry about, <laughs> you know, he would like, cause I want to help out with things. Cause that's sort of my general nature. And he's like, listen, let them do that and concentrate on the acting. And it was my, it was actually a really cool way of me being able to learn like, Oh, okay. When I start, when I do get onto that, you know, SAG set, I'm clearly, I'm not going to offer like a, to help a, you know, best boy. Uh, best boy. You totally a, will. Or a grip. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, being able to learn on a, a set of, you know, you know, seven to nine people was a lot easier for me and, and a, 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 an amazing way to be exposed to, uh, you know, to feature films. Um, but, you know, since then, I did a short film in October. Then I, I've been doing, you know, a lot of random improv shows, sort of like the story of a lot of my life. Um, but then recently I got onto this musical team with, that was mentioned before at UCB 
that just did a super, super fun set of shows. Uh, it's called Quick and Funny Musicals, and hopefully we'll be able to bring back the show that we did with uh, um, the Justice League versus Red Lobster, which I, I had a blast <laughs> doing. Um, uh, but, you know, like, we're just doing fun, weird comedy stuff, and... Uh, you know, hopefully more films will come up in the near future or, you know, small things in web series or TV. And uh, otherwise, just working on my craft like, like the rest of us, Minecraft. Yep. <laughs> working on my Minecraft. Crafted. Which is German for Minecraft. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> for me, what I'm up to um, is just doing live shows. I do Bangarang at UCB Tuesday nights at 11, uh, writing and acting in various things. But... Um, apart from that, um, I just wanted to say that, uh, working on this film, it it was my first feature length film as well. And it was like Henry said, the best experience you could possibly have. And like the best possible product to be like, Oh, that's my first thing. Cause normally people are ashamed of the things they did first. And that's not the case with this. So now like when I move on, uh, what I want to be working on, I'll use that for my time is, only things that are like this, where it's friends who genuinely care about the product we're making and all doing our best on it uh, and constantly working with each other and not ever doing anything else. Yeah, that's a dream right there. That's what I want to. Yep. And, I, and, and it might be the way things are heading. I mean, I've seen a lot of the really good comedy that's out these days are, are people who are, who are buddies with each other or, you know, came up through the ranks together and then they... You know, even like or some of my old nepotism. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's another way to do it. But uh, but I do love seeing like, oh, that guy was in that class with a buddy of mine, and he's like now on a show where he brought that buddy up. Yeah, to be on the show. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, Un- it's vague. But unlike these guys, I am an older El Angelino. Right. <laughs> so I have uh, years of trying behind me. But one of the coolest things I ever heard was uh, one of my favorite sketch teachers when i first started ucb said look around the room uh or he goes excuse me uh he goes i will never hire any of you (laughs) and we're all like whoa that's really rude (laughs) and he goes i will never hire any of you for any job but look around the room look at each other you will continue to work together and hire each other for gigs for the rest of your careers whoever you come up with is who you will continue to work with you will become family and you'll become very close and that's who you will always work with and hire. You will work forever with these people. So look around and pay attention. Was this not really the heart? Was this before before or after the sorting hat in the, in the theater? Um, this was after, uh, so we all got sorted. I was clearly Slytherin. Uh, but my, my favorite part of the story I tell is the guy who said that to us later hired me for a punch up riding on a show. <laughs> he didn't hire me for something. And, but that's the point I want to make is like, uh, I, I coach a lot of improv groups and I teach UCB improv and sketch classes. And the thing I always push to people is like, don't look to like that bigger, better thing. Like you're constantly doing that. And like, who can I connect with above me and who can I get? Don't do that. Find a good group of peers that you get along with and make content for yourselves. Poss- you know, Constantly put stuff out there that you're proud of, that you do with friends, that you want to continue to do. And that's how you'll succeed and that's how you get to a better place. And I think this movie is such a good example of that. Right. It's, like, it's so easy to show people, hey, if you want to do it, you can just do it. Right. And, and, and the same thing for 
yeah, work with people that you meet while you're, you know, climbing up. And, you know, I did my climbing in New York, but by the time I got here, you know, it's, you sort of go down a few notches on the ladder, you start climbing again, and these are the guys that I met. And since then, I think we've probably done three or four random things together, whether it's the X-Men video that we all did that Adam and, 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 uh, and Noam and Marissa put together, right? And, and just so Justin, Matt, Adam, and I, and a bunch of other, you know, friends now did that together. And then uh, even just doing the shows at UCB, it's like people that I've met in the last, you know, whether they were New York friends or new LA friends, they're, you know, the people that we're all climbing up with. And it's really cool to see that uh, becoming a reality. No, you I guess totally... they, uh... oh, sorry, Mike. I was um, just going to riff on that theme because uh, me and Justin got sent some interview questions from our alma mater, Bowling Green State University. And one of the, really? and I, I don't think anything's run yet because we were trying to get something in the news there for the the screening for friends and family. Um, but one of the questions they asked was like, "What famous people do you want to work with?" And I mean, that's an interesting question. There's plenty of very successful, famous people that would be fun to work with. But I am way more interested in collaborating with the people I know and just sort of building that community up of peers instead of just worshiping someone that's already successful and being like, oh, my God, I just want to work with Wes Anderson or something. Right. Well, yeah, and I've gotten crazy notes on set, too, like the similar to Be Funnier. I've gotten a note like, hey, go be that actor that's already established in this thing that we're doing. You know, like be, uh, you know, um, Charlie Day or whatever. And I'm like, I, I think he already has his own thing. Yeah, it's, it's like an yeah. acting bra- breakdown saying, we're looking for a real John Krasinski type. I was like, then go John Krasinski. Right. Yeah. Why don't you want me? Yeah. Like, why don't you know, if you want to see me, you're going to get me. Yeah. Do you think they and just actually, have like fortune cookies of actor advice they break and then send up? <laughs> yeah, you see that a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, no, but like beyond that, uh, it's cool because Justin, you did allow us to be ourselves as actors instead of saying, hey, Henry, can you, you know, can you bring up the, you know, turn the Krasinski up or whatever, or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, and, that, and that, I'm sure, has been said multiple times in, in Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Broken record. Open your window, you'll hear it yelled. Yeah. Turn up the Krasinski. Uh, but just one final thing on that thought is, like, right now I'm trying to sell a TV show, and they're like, well, give us a list of names you want for the show. And I was like, well, I did. Everyone who I originally pitched on it, you know, all my friends that I trust and know their talent, this is what I want. They're like, well, celebrity, push that. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know who I would trust to do this. Uh, I don't, I don't want that. It's like I know what their brand is, and I know what they would bring to it. That's not what I want. You know, I want my friends in this because I know what they can do, and I trust them to do it. And trust me, it will be a good product when I deliver it to you. Right, and not only that, when it comes to the talent of our friends, uh, I can look around at people that I perform with and say, you know, those folks that we're with now are, are, are ready. You know what I mean? And, uh, I feel like there was actually something that came out recently, uh, in one of the, like maybe Hollywood reporter or something about it was uh, on the Hollywood reporter. Yeah. About which, <laughs> which I'm, uh, which I'm also paid by to, to talk about, but, uh, it's At Hollywood reporter. Um, but it said something along the lines of like, Oh, you know, there, there wasn't enough talent to cast this, um, sitcom. Do you remember that? Oh, no. It was a few weeks ago. It was like there were just what the pool of talent wasn't good enough, so we're canning this sitcom. And it's like, 
you might have just not looked far enough. You know, yeah. uh, there's a lot of talent out here, uh, not limited to too much. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So, um, well, and that's the thing is like anytime because a lot of us go out for pilot season. A lot of time we go out and we out, we test for these pilots and we don't get them. They end up booking actor X who's been on countless sitcoms. And it's like, well, of course you just wanted a name. Like that's happening every time. And every time the pilot doesn't work or the series goes two episodes and gets canceled. Why not try something new every time? Mm-hmm. Why not give people something fresh? It's like fresh faces where they don't know what to get. And they could be surprised. I don't get this, like wanting just those names. Or if you already knew that, that, that you wanted a name, then why'd you bring me in at all? You know, like right. just, just don't even, bu- let don't even bother yeah, you're not like the, a, a government yeah. job where you have to prove fairness in your hiring Invest- pool or something and, and, yeah then yeah. let me stay home this <laughs> isn't the men in black test where you set us all in the room to do a quiz and i pull the table over <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> i made these guys a bet 50 dollar bet i could work the table singing for men in black into this I, I, don't, I don't think it works <laughs> great Right. That's seven. not a fair bet. He just has to say it, and he gets money. <laughs> well, they're idiots. So do, That's all. Do you I'm guys done. think that the the wanting an established name thing is getting worse? Like, I've noticed that even video game voice acting is more and more just being. I mean, Solid Snake is Kiefer Sutherland now, for some reason. Oh my god, are you serious? Yeah, they they didn't call David Hayter back. So I don't think you need that. Uh, I think Stupid. as long as you have a quality product, it doesn't matter who's in it. I think something can work without having a name in it. Well, all right. This is Matthew. What I'll say is that, in my humble opinion, there is a divergence happening. There is, in one direction, we're shooting off into the into the world of, unless you have a name that I've heard in 10 other things before, you're not going to be involved. But in the other direction, it's the kind of thing that we all got a chance to do, which was make something right. at a reasonable budget and just make it the way we wanted to do it with the people we wanted to do it with. And there's an awful lot of that happening, too, in the age of digital media and digital cinema and with the Internet and everything like that. So there's kind of two things happening at once. And I wouldn't uh, ever, ever say, hey, let's all start talking about how uh, bleak the future looks for us in the entertainment business. Not at all. Uh, if somebody's going to be closed-minded, then that's their problem. And in the end, people like us, we're going to succeed and we're going to do things our way. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't bother me at all. If if that's how you want to do things, if that's how you want to cast your projects, that's your problem. And I'm going to move on and do good things yeah. however I can do them. It's evolution, man. Dinosaurs <laughs> will die. It, it's you like a gatekeeper. We'll all survive, man. To quote Graham Morrison, man, evolve <laughs> or die. We'll survive. It's like a men in black table. It's on one side, but then you pull it to the other oh, side. Oh, it's exactly. Like Damn! <laughs> is it just whoever did the last reference to it that gets money? Or right. and black table jokes on you? I don't have fifty dollars. <laughs> well, that's it. Go see Detective, Detective, Detective when you can. Whenever it Which comes you out. Because I'll tell you this: I've seen a ton of movies in theaters this year, and that's been my favorite so far. Woo! And I'm not being. Yeah. <laughs> I bet that's true. Uh, uh, well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Uh, this has been a nice little revival here uh, for the Pseudobook Podcast. And we just wanted to celebrate with you guys our, our, our achievement and making a feature film with you guys and get to capture some of those stories. And it's nice for archival sake as well, too. Um, yeah. Remember you when post, you were young. Post this when the movie comes out. Of course. Yep. 
Mike, you have anything else? <laughs> no, no, I'm good. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And I guess that will wrap up our uh, welcome back episode, Pseudo Book Podcast. All right. Thank you guys for Congrats, having dudes. us. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Kaz.com. Right. <laughs> 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 to hear more episodes and to read the show notes, check us out at pseudobookpodcast.com. 